Ah, what a wonderful day inside. You know, it actually is getting dangerous out there. Like, I walked outside, and someone had thrown some kind of, like, white disco ball up. I think it's dangerous. Like, you can't stare at it too long without, like, feeling bad. At 7 p.m., like, exactly at 7 p.m. in my neighborhood every night for the last several weeks, um, someone has a tuba in my building, and it's just been... Like fucking blasting the thing, not even trying to play any music, just until for like five minutes or so, like a church bell, like some horrible fucking church bell. Does he know that at some point between August and mid 2021, when people can stand near each other again, someone is going to beat him to death with a baseball bat? Is he just aware of his future, like encroaching on him like that? Well, here's the thing, is that it started with him, right? And now, at 7, inspired by this dumbass, I guess, just everyone, I don't know if it's this building or the neighborhood in general, but people just start fucking hooting out the window. And I don't, it's 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 actually fascinating, because most of the residents of my building are, like, middle-aged or older people or whatever, and it's just really, really interesting watching them having regressed to, you know, primates. It almost makes me wish that it was like I I lived in an area that was purely reactionary boomers, like people just who refused to acknowledge this was happening. Because then at seven p.m., I wouldn't get this half-assed world-building element. It's I'm trying to understand, like I kind of understand the reason behind it, but I feel like I'm missing a step here. The reasoning behind it. I mean, it's easier than rioting. You can do it for yeah, more than six feet apart. Most of them are, like, too old or frail or unmotivated to riot, which I guess that's good for me at the very least because I am too old, too frail, and too unmotivated to riot, certainly. Oh, that's how you feel? I don't know. I'm two years older, and I'm I feel like company. I'm in, like, the prime rioting bracket. Like, I've got a riot mentality. I have various objects just lying about. I don't know why. Is it is this stuff even legal? Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to have some of the stuff in here. It's very... It's, I honestly my, don't like, feel like samurai swords are the most um, riot-friendly of weapons. Uh, just They're just too precise. I mean, it's off mood, sure, but I don't know. Maybe it's like a you know prog rock, pulling in ele- pulling in elements from other fucking genres. Oh sure, I, I get that. I'm just thinking about like practicality here. I, that's a point, and I guess writing isn't more inherently kind of a kind of a punk rock thing. Yeah. What I'm thinking is just like a big fucking piece of plywood, right? That's it's easier to apply force with that to multiple, you know people or objects than it is with a katana, right? A katana, you sort of need to know how to use it. And, you know, your average rioter is not trained in combat, right? So I guess, like, if But wouldn't it be great to watch? Like, wouldn't you really (laughs) enjoy that? That's what the Boxer Rebellion was, right? Oh, man. You know, I'm sure there'll be some... A bunch of people rioting who are trained to riot. Oh, that... Fucking great. I'm sure there'll be some good media all about this, but that's not what I'm really interested in. I'm interested in what the really, like, shitball sitcom episodes, like, just all the want wannabe bottle episodes that come out oh, of recreating God. this moment. Yeah, I'm not excited for... I'm, um... 
I'm wondering what kind of shitty music we've... I mean, we've already gotten some shitty music. Just, you know, like celebrities singing Imagine or whatever. It's boring. I'm wondering, like, if wait, there's wait, wait, wait. Imagine was a lot of things. Music. I don't know if it was boring. Like, I haven't had a resentful laugh that pure since a Bush family member died. <laughs> when was... Oh, yeah, yeah, right. H, 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 yeah, I forgot about that. Um... I don't know. After the after like the sixth one did it, I was the novelty wore off. <laughs> I don't know. I feel. Uh, I think th- there's a big one down the pipeline in about ten years, and I don't know what shape I'll in. I have to try to keep in shape so I can still do a backflip when Bush Junior does. <laughs> I. Uh... By the way, to my awareness, there's about three hundred of you, and statistically, some of you are conservatives. I kind of want to know what the listening experience is like, because I know it's only 4% of content on this podcast that's like this. Do you just, like, hum and just scroll forward until you hear the word isekai, or... It's a fun thought for me. It's a fun thought. But speaking of uh, punk rock applications of things, both of the shows we're doing today have a very chaotic wavelength. Oddly, it was, it was interesting... Um and fortuitous right that we were watching one show and then decided to check out the other because they have a decent amount in common uh oddly no like in in a way that's slightly hard to describe but we'll get there um the first show is a show that everyone knows uh it's oh yeah we're going back we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna do a we're gonna do a retrospective of a uh, of kill la kill here it's actually my first time uh going through the series in its entirety so I'm uh I'm experiencing a whole lot of these uh fun things for the first time. I was exposed all... to the show as it was released live episode by episode and that was a fucking trip. There's been a whole lot of ink spilled about Kill a Kill, so I don't want to get too deep into, you know, the common discussions about it like whether it's satire, whether it's good satire, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh mostly I just wanted to offer up one or two things that I've noticed about it that they're just meant something to me in particular, uh, which we'll get to once, uh, once we begin the actual discussion about it. So I guess I'm going to do the uh, broad uh, context sweep, I guess. So this was what sort of made um, Studio Trigger, which was a, um, I don't know, birth child, cousin, clone of Studio Gainax, who you might have heard of. And if you listen to a show called Weeaboo Hell and you haven't heard of Gainax, then I don't know. I feel like the community has failed you on some level. Like, you should really just yell at the next Weeaboo you meet or see because they, they're they not trying to build. They're not trying to build something together. So the... They could, have done, they could have done more to foster the young of their community. Yeah. And in terms of uh, genre labels, it is an action show it is perhaps the action show it does not have a real second thought on its brain other than actually that's not true it's very amusing so i guess it, 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 there are a lot of gags in it too but it's not oh, it's but not to the frontier where you call comedy. it an action comedy more just, i don't know how many jokes you can put into an action thing without crossing the genre barrier but it really rides that line i i i don't know i think it might be an action comedy yeah so one thing that the show is not is satire uh, i think uh, a lot of people uh, fans, I would say misguided ones especially, like to label it as such in an attempt to sort of rationalize the really, really heavy-handed uh, fan service aspects of it. I as, think um, that uh, there's a human instinct where when you like something or when something is just broadly good or its score is good, you want to think of 
every element as being like super intelligent or or thought out or well placed and I don't know, there are good dumb things. Like this is a good dumb show. Dumb show, yeah. It is perhaps the good dumb show. One thing that I kind of enjoy about it, sort of later on, is that when it shows you its hand, um they're all fucking Uno cards. <laughs> Uh, They're all but, fucking uh, Uno I'll, cards or counterfeit currency when uh, uh, a certain uh, uh, king I'll, comes in. I'll get in. to that because it, it doesn't... <laughs> you're right. For, for all the ink spilled about this show, I do not actually believe that it has a whole ton under the hood. Uh, like it, Excuse it does, me, Sam. It, it executes... It's a deconstruction of fashion, culture, and sexuality and media that anime has been waiting for. Was anything ever the same after Kill the Kill showed us that everything we thought was wrong? Well, I guess motion screens are never saying. They really do a lot with a little in terms of animation budget during the earlier episodes of this show. It's actually kind of interesting. This show is sort of remembered for its sort of kinetic feel to it, but um, it's yeah, like- whenever they have to do limited animation or the Sakugo, whatever you want to call it, they um they have a really fun time with it and turn it into part of the humor. Like when it comes to the uh, animation gags in the show, we talked about Azokin recently, so I'll talk about I'll convert to that one. It's like you had someone with the skill and love of the form of that guy and just none of the interest in teaching anyone anything <laughs> and half the money. Yeah, about. Like when the resident psycho for hire comes in, they just slowly tween their thin smile across their face <laughs> and it's fucking hilarious. I'm, I'm a really big fan of how... Um, uh, so this is actually the first thing that I wanted to get ab- get to about Kill a Kill because it's uh, it is I think my favorite element of the whole thing is I don't have a word for it. It's not like an established trope or anything, but it's something that I've really only seen in this show, which is mm-hmm. this um the occurrence of a bunch of identical minions showing up out of nowhere. Oh dude, the the fucking copy paste minion legion. The copy paste minion legion. Like yeah, the, it's like it's everyone it's the best has running a personalized putty patrol, and it's fucking great. I guess I should talk about the settings. The setting in this is. It's I could almost call like, it a high school, and it's the only thing I can see why people almost approach the label satire. Once again, it's not, but. She basically lives in a totalitarian dictatorship framed around a high school. It's it's interesting because it's it, it's very silly and very, you know, like anime and such. So you sort of give it a pass, right? Um and but like early on in the show, it's sort of implied that they're, you know, the one city that remains in some sort of, you know, like post-apocalyptic or post-nuclear wasteland or something like that. And then like halfway like, through nope, the nope, show, it's just there are other places. No, just, they're this, weird but not no, as weird. There, there are other places. The world seems to be normal. Maybe it's a little bit in the future or something. I don't know. Yeah, these people are just real goddamn weird. <laughs> Which is... They have this weird school thing or something. I don't know. They built this weird tiered society around it. We don't, It's not a popular vacation uh, destination. Anyway, the uh, club presidents or uh, high achievers all get clothes and give them fucking superpowers. There's a whole longer-winded explanation you can go through. But what it amounts to is a frame for on it. In fact, they do. But there is it's 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 a frame for gags and violence. Yeah, I um, I I 
this does feel I know that they weren't right because animation requires a pipeline or something like that but this did actually feel quite a bit like a show in which they were sort of writing by the seat of their pants um, maybe they were and they just decided to animate the results of it yeah, and I guess the reason I was drawn to the punk thing, other than the fact that we had that whole um, poster frog joke last episode, is just... This show is basically, like, motion... You know three chords and the truth? This is, like, motion tweens and the truth. Or just <laughs> motion tweens, fan service, and violence. That's they have, three, they have three things on their mind. I'm actually kind of surprised that I'm not more turned off by the fan service than I am, like, given me, given my predilections. Like, if you've been listening, you know how I am with that sort of thing, right? Um, I think it's it's the fact that the art style and animation are as goofy as they are. I've been trying to put my finger on why it doesn't particularly bother me, and I think that probably has something to do with it. If I could put my theory towards it because I live in your fucking head. I think there are a few things. First off, yeah. there's just a lot happening visually at any given point, so you're almost pulled along to the next thing before the okay, they're at it again kind of thing can set in too deeply. That's true. The second thing is that in the one or two themes that it pretends to chase, it at least is a surface-level topic, so it feels maybe less random than it might. Yeah, that that could very well be. They um, it's it's not as gratuitous as it is in some series, and definitely in the series that we're going to talk about uh, later today. I also think that there, they, they there is an, definitely they something to be said that in. a lot of the times, over sex stuff like it's trying to make up for shortfalls in something. Whereas here, I think it's more of just a unnecessary addendum to something that was working which is better than just trying to support a faulty structure with it if that makes sense um yeah i get that yeah I so think it's not like it's it not might... trying to paint over like a fucking fist-sized dent in the wall with just a poster of someone's ass in essence this is true i think if there if i have like a um a little mental image that i can conjure up for the show it's just someone taking Someone taking a dial labeled anime bullshit and just turning it all the way to the right until the machine breaks. Yeah, they just turn it, the, the, the dial fucking snaps off in their hand, more anime bullshit leaks out of the machine. Uh, there is uh, there is one thing um, about this that I kind of couldn't overlook, though, is that in the first... it, it the, These jokes kind of disappear pretty quickly, but in the first couple of episodes, there's just a whole lot of jokes about sexual assault that... Um, there was really no plastering over them or really any sort of you, you really can't make any sort of argument about how it's like kind of part of the uh part of the goofiness or whatever they just they just they stick out like a um here we see the man trying to avoid the term <laughs> sore thumb can he find yeah him? no shit yeah fuck me yeah dude, you got me i was trying to find a more colorful uh yeah no they uh they stick out really badly uh, they they kind of are uncomfortable to sit through, and then you're sort of having to try and move on to whatever like the next joke is to you know forget that that scene happened and that it was as uh, uh what's the, uh, in poor taste as it was. Um, what I will say, I mean, I guess to the show's credit is that yeah, they stopped making those jokes after the first couple of episodes. I don't know if it was 
because all the writers decided and fucking sight mm. gags really fill that void and by the way we watched the dub for this because it's an older show and b when there's a decent dub we tend to gravitate towards that sumi and i was really impressed by that's very what good the, what the cast did on this one yeah i was like everyone was a whoever was in just selection of voices that turned out very well b the way that people just did all the fucking joke tags in this was was pretty consistently wonderful. There's sort of this meme that Japanese voice actors are better than, you know, English language voice actors, which is kind of patently not true if you know anything about that particular part of the uh, of the industry. Uh, the mm-hmm. one thing, though, is that often the shortcomings of dubs can be explained by the fact that there's a whole lot of like Japanese is quite idiomatic. There's a whole lot of um wordplay that takes place in Japanese. Uh so It's true. That's why mine is terrible. Is is you have to um you have to adapt, you know, Japanese puns or, you know, Japanese idioms or, you know, Japanese wordplay, that sort of thing into English and it'll never not feel awkward because Japanese is just not structured the way that English is. Um so a lot of the time you get dubs that feel, you know, that, that sort of, you know, awkward or stunted or um, you have people reacting to things in a way that people don't react to things. Yeah, dubs can sometimes feel like they were translated by an alien for a different species of alien. Um, I think one of, the, one of the strengths that this dub had or has, I think, is the, uh, is the fact that I do feel as though the the writing team for Kill la Kill um, loves cocaine. No, they. Uh, I think they made the jokes just a little bit more universal. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not giving the dub team as much credit as I should because it really is fantastic. True, localization um, is a cold gray hell from which you emerge with with a long beard and a resentment to cuts to the WH. Wait, was I talking about the other thing again? Whatever and. <laughs> Sorry, I it's on my mind. It, uh, I don't see how it could not be. That's fair. And but yeah, when it comes to how this is localized, um, that's interesting. I almost want to revisit the fucking pirated sub I originally experienced this shit with, and see like how much stuff was like slotted in with something that was maybe understand more understandable on a local level. I know that they do a whole lot to sort of um, have characters, uh, you know, speak the way that people do quite a bit of the time, especially with Ryuka. Ryuka's voice actress and, you know, whoever, whoever you know, wrote the lines for her in English uh, it, it did a very, very good job of making her seem more like a teenager teenager, um, less... And less like a, um, not an anime teenager, but like a dubbed anime teenager. Oh, just the weird 30-year-old drawl everyone has. Like that and also, I don't know, it's, it's, talking about dubs can be kind of weird because there's, I don't know, there's a whole lot of, it's like a moving target sometimes because everyone, every one of them seems to have its own sort of thing that is awkward about it. I remember... Ages ago, watching... When the world was young. Watching, I think it was like Aoyori Yoshi or something like that. And just for whatever fucking reason, um, that 
still fucking escapes me. The dub decided, or the you know the uh, the English line producers decided everyone was still going to refer to everyone else using Japanese honorifics. Um, oh and it was boy, that sounds like actually that sounds like it might horribly loop all the way, awkward all the way back to an entertaining experience. That might that species no, you just of fuck up might really embarrassment. Might and like these really are not something for me. <laughs> These were not bad voice actors, too, because you had, um, oh, God. Who was on that dub? For some reason, I remember. Yeah, you had, like, Wendy Lee. She was part of that dub cast. Michelle Ruff. You know, these are good voice actors, right? Um, and, and then you just have them try to adapt, you know, point for point, you know, the little, um, bits and pieces of, you know, Japanese as it is spoken, right? And it just doesn't sound good in English because, you know, Japanese syntax and Japanese honorifics and such like that are not meant to be spoken in English. It was not, the language was not constructed to be spoken in English. I know that that's obvious, but, you know, I guess it has to be said. Speaking of what's uh, universal about um, some of the humor going on here is I, I think that's at least... I mean, obviously, anyone who animates for a living is a huge animation nerd, and during some of the fucking physical gags, you can really see some of the Looney Tunes coming through. I remember when um, Floaty Pink Psycho for Hire winds up in this hallway full uh, of explosives. Nui Harime. Nui Harime. She all but says, ah, sh- sh- oh, what, what the fucking Daffy Duck thing? Actually, there's more of a Bugs Bunny one than like, got me this time, Doc. <laughs> Well, no, it can't be because no one ever gets him. Well, except in uh, Falling Hair. They got him there. Um, and Rabbit Rampage, but that one is, like, not well-regarded and is practically non-canon at this point. Um, I think Oh, I think you're thinking of, like, the like the uh, the hunting trilogy, just the you're despicable. Yeah, yeah, that kind of, that kind of beat. Um, although, I don't know. At times, because of all the clown shit going on and the fact that Ryoko is very much not silly in the way that, you know... Oh, she, she is, is an excellent that... straight man for all of this. She, she, is, she really comes she... off as, like, if Daffy Duck got a push or something. No, yeah, for real. I was I was about to call her, like, Daffy Duck in a bikini. Um, and, and, like, the... Like, she's here in a tennis match to the death, shouting, You're not playing by the rules! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the oh yeah the the tennis bit I think that was like the second or third episode or something like that. That was also, exactly the second episode. The second episode also features a fantastic example of just um, instant minions, uh, and they all make the exact same noise. If I were to power rank the different club minions, I have to give the number one slot to the fucking marching band. I feel like oh no that was incredible. They look like, they look like what like platelets grow up to be. In like a fascist country, it's 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 really strange. You've got like fantastic character design, very simple but very effective character design for these characters that have no name, have no personality, basically have no individual individuality, um, agency or voice at all. But they're just so fucking entertaining, just doing the things that they are doing. Um, I think it's the way that they draw their eyes for the marching band. I think that was it. I don't know why... They just have these beady, blank eyes. I don't know why anything about Studio Trigger surprised anyone after this. Like, you can basically plot the quality of the show against the complexity. 
in yes inverse relationship. Yeah, that, no, that that's yeah, no, it's an inverse like the the uh, like every strength because, and weakness more, was was pretty is pretty laid out here. Yeah, the more and like with kill not Kilka with uh with Darling and the Franks, like, <laughs> the more shit they the more shit they started pulling out of their hat, you know, as the show went on. Um, well, actually, no, it was it was a very it was not that the show deteriorated slowly in quality. It was that there was, you know, just sort of a Wiley e. Coyote esque cliff that it fell off of. Yeah. Uh, so it maybe that's dived off that cliff. It was artful. <laughs> that was like an Olympic <laughs> jump. I was fucking impressed with how Darling and the Frantics fell off. I'm not really sure, like, why that. What decision was made, right, with that show? That wasn't made with Kill a Kill, right? I'm not. <sighs> that is a good question. I mean, I guess one is thing it, is, is that, that it's a, a collaboration, is... so there were some people without the signature like trigger ADD in the writers' room, and that just threw the balance off. Could very well be. Uh, the the uh, the other thing, right? The thing is, is that Kill a Kill, um, at about the exact same point in the series, by the way, uh, as with Darling and the Franks. Features a pretty huge ass twist too. Yeah, pretty huge um, ass turn. I think, and it works out way better. I think for one thing, they go for. I mean, there are familiar elements, but it's way less of a retread of that familiar fucking Ava ground. Yeah, I think. I think it just. I think it just felt very stale in Darling in the Franks. Like, um, like the wool had been pulled over our eyes, and actually, I'm I'm dancing around something very simple here. Kill a Kill has a really strong sense of identity and direction that you can see from Orbit. And Dog of the Frantics just Franks. became kind yeah. of rudderless. And that I guess that's a big thing creatively. Like, when you know what what you're doing is and why you're doing it, that can be a guiding light. And for some people, that means making it about an evil clothing corporation trying to take over the world. Does What's it make sense? Is that Not fucking really. Do they understand what they're doing? <laughs> totally. And sometimes that's enough. It's easier to have a show be like Gurren Lagann than it is to have a show be like Neon Genesis Evangelion. Maybe that's it. That is a... Uh, I, think that, I think that's a good point. Like, I think while both require immense talent... To make an Evo, you would also need a little bit of a big brainedness. Could be. I maybe. I actually almost feel now that I've said it that I'm selling um, Gurren and Kill a Kill just a little bit short. I know that a whole bunch of the same team worked on all three series, right? Like uh, Kill a Kill, uh, not Evangelion. I mean, maybe Evangelion. Uh, Kill a Kill, Gurren Lagann, and um, Darling in the Franks, right? I think I think I think it was like a decent amount of the same people worked on all three series. Yeah, and it's um, and it's the thing I was talking about earlier. You know what I love about things like this? It lets that? me tell people to shut the fuck up when they try to defend something as like just a fun action show or just a stupid action movie. No, this is what a good <laughs> stupid action movie is like. That's uh, that's true. Like I, uh, most things that people try to defend of that tag, like if you break them down like block by block, I know I've made this point before, but they're basically crap dramas of fight scenes attached. This is what like when you say something's a madcap, loose logic, rockabilly action show, is what that sh- is what that should feel like. 
I'm going to make a food metaphor here because, you know, I like food, cooking, et cetera, shit like that. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a thing that I learned about uh, junk food, right, is that junk food is actually designed, I guess you could get, say designed, uh, right, formulated to be a little bit bland, right, um, so that you will eat more of it because the palate actually gets exhausted of big fucking flavors um fairly quickly right uh it's i don't know like it's this sort of biological thing i guess i don't know i don't really know like the word for it really right Mm -hmm. uh but i think it might actually be your body's sort of um mechanism that you know stops you from eating once you've had enough right uh but when you make a snack you know kind of bland kind of salty maybe it has a little bit of flavor somewhere right like it's way the fuck easier to eat a whole fuck ton of doritos or you know like pretzels or something like that right than it is to um to eat a whole fuck ton of i don't know like chicken tikka masala like uh, yeah you can eat a bunch of it i have but like you 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 do you do get full way faster uh, and I think that is that is the difference between, you know, the, you know, kind of trash, long-running, shonen kind of... I'm just subtweeting Bleach here. I'm just going to say Bleach. Um, <laughs> it's fucking coming uh, back. And, right? Oh, God. it's just, Everything old is new again. Uh, no, everything new is old. Whatever. Um, whatever. However you say that phrase. And then you've got, you know, your... Uh, your shows like this, right? Your chicken tikka masala, which is just dumped I don't in think tomato and spice. I don't think this could have sustained more than twenty six episodes, uh, and I'm glad that it did not have to. But I think that's um yeah, kill a kill that's is sort of my counter argument right too. I just want to turn my brain off and enjoy the just like you know, it'll like go on for a million episodes and be exactly the same as that. But I mean, like I guess I shouldn't be talking because like the quarantine has me fucking playing World of Warcraft again, and no one is more guilty of doing that shit than fucking World of Warcraft. Well, whatever. But- this isn't one three three seven hell. It's weeaboo hell. And I think there's a point you have there about like the whole turn your brain offline, like. I think during a you know, I think during a good dumb thing, you don't even turn your brain off. Your brain is saying, "Holy crap, what am I watching? This is amazing." That's true. I I, I did feel exceptionally engaged by this uh, by this show the whole time I was watching it. I didn't have, I never once felt as though I uh, was doing that sort of thing where you're just melting into you know your seat kind of dissociating just a little bit that kind of jazz yeah yeah you start um, hearing like don't stay run away in the fucking mastodon cadence <laughs> and you drift into the astral plane we do a lot of metal here at <laughs> so speaking of flying beyond the sun before it was time i've got an awkward transition for you um the uh the second show that we uh that we watched today is uh one that's currently airing, one that's actually getting just a decent amount of traction uh in the community that I can uh that I can tell. Uh yeah, um, there is a lot this... of chatter about this one. I can see how it might have uh, sort of kicked the door in for some people attention wise. It does a few broad maneuvers. I would compare it somewhat to It Invaded, just a little bit. Not 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 like conceptually or anything, but it's just sort of like on that 
on that wavelength, on that level of like sort of has some stuff on its mind, but also you sort of have to take a whole bunch of shit for granted. And you also uh, very much have to ignore some other shit. Um, actually, it invaded did not have that problem as much, so maybe this metaphor doesn't actually work. But for some reason, it did remind me of it invaded as being exactly as intelligent as it invaded was, right? Okay, I think yeah, it invaded was maybe smarter on the character front than this. Like, maybe same yeah, complexity fair. level in terms of like character depth, but maybe more, a lot more. I don't know a wider, a wider and more original spread of archetypes in it invaded. Maybe we're. Maybe we're just both talking about the fact that they are both sign-in shows. I think that probably has something to do with it. Yeah, there's it's like a delivery. This... There's like a delivery method. Yeah, there's a there's like a house style. There's there's a miasma in the air whenever you watch sign. Uh, anyway, it's uh, Gleipnir is uh, is the show that uh, is the show that we watched. We you know I think there's three episodes out right now. We're current, uh, and I had some thoughts about it. I would say mixed bag. Definitely I... mixed bag appreciate the very creative elements of this show and there are so i guess i well let me do, let me do some fucking broad strokes this one okay i'm gonna mm-hmm. we're three episodes this, of this thing exist as of press time i'm going to spoil the fuck out of them if you're convinced you're going to watch this then i don't know pause the episode return to it later to hear my fucking hot takes this is a show about a guy who turns into a mascot that a girl and a girl can ride inside him like a mech and it's all an obtuse metaphor for fucking sexual awakening and boning and almost pegging like i, I would almost just a little bit yeah, like, if, if i were to be full snark mode i would say it's a show about pegging i think well here's the thing this is a show about and 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 like i'm i'm talking about i'm peering through all the metaphor here right i'm digging through all the metaphor Beyond this kid can turn into a giant mascot suit with a gun. Beyond, you know, his his new Yandere waifu who can crawl inside of him and make him hit better because he's kind of a puss. Um, beyond any of that, this is a show about a guy who got caught with an erection. It's, yeah, it is a, um, to date, a dramatization of standing up in gym class with a boner and there's a beast inside of you that you can't control only it weirdly loses sight of it it starts out with the beast being more sexually aggressive and then it's just, he's just sort of clumsy when that form and he needs the girl inside him to i don't know it's it's a very confused metaphor that's uh it, like i'm not gonna ex- i'm not gonna pretend that this show is uh oh god we're gonna go with like it's reach exceeds its graphs again it, it like, happens it's, it's, it's a recurring a fucking, fucking thing it, i don't it know it happens a lot yeah it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's the same uh, it's the same issue that it invaded had um, I think it invaded kind of was able to, uh, navigate its, uh, various strange and hard to work with ideas a little bit more deftly. Certainly this, um, this has to distract you with fan service quite a bit. And I don't care that it's about a sexual awakening or, you know, like teenage sexual, or whatever the fuck. I don't care about any of that. Um, because if, fan service is distracting then it's not good fan service i guess that's just gonna be our company line on the pro- on the concept then like if you're trying to use it to obscure where things are not going on then you have a fucking problem yeah um made to bring it back to prison school again but let me bring it back to prison school right uh prison school is a show 
about honestly like very similar things right prison school is a show about that really fucking uncomfortable boner that you have as you stand up <laughs> in gym class right um uh, and all of this sort of male gaze kind of elements in it um sort of it, it's it's hard to describe but they do a very good job in reinforcing that this is um the point of view of the various protagonists yeah, if they're not as quite they are sort like of overcome by lust or whatever, and I think what helps that show, what helped that show, that comic, whatever, is that this, the characters have fucking personalities. Um, yes, and it is very helpful to that. have a fucking personality. The main guy in this, why do we keep getting default anime guy three? I and I'm, and I'm so frustrated with it, right? Because they recognize that he was anime guy three, right? I've got you've got this kid, right? Who and like the first sort of internal monologue he has, right, is that he wants to be he he likes that he's completely normal and completely like everything else, and then mentions at one point that he's empty, right? As though he's an empty shell, right? And, and there's almost this metaphor that you know, like she inserts herself into him, right? As like as though you know a viewer is supposed to insert themselves into you know this bland fucking toast ass protagonist right but then they never actually do anything interesting with it right that's almost interesting right there but i still have to fucking follow this guy around and pretend <laughs> like i give a shit <laughs> if you make toast favorite toast and say oh here's toast flavored toast and you don't really do anything or there's not really a reason then why why like you could have all kinds of personalities and maintain that route. Like, here's someone going through this weird ass sexual awakening thing. I'd and almost, it, and I'd I would almost care wish more. They I would hadn't. care way more. I don't need there to be nothing there for me to try to project myself onto a character. Like the the relatable part of him isn't the, the places where you put nothing. It's the one. It's the only thing you actually did do. And they need to learn the difference between those things. Yeah, I'm actually kind of annoyed. I, I would have almost really preferred that they hadn't, you know, done that whole thing. It's like, I'm completely normal. I want to be just like everything else or everyone else. I'm empty inside, that sort of thing. I wish they hadn't have done that, right? Because, like, it just feels like they were kind of covering their ass um, and not particularly well. It's like trying to cover your ass with a uh, worn hula skirt, like the action is coming through. Mm-hmm. That is the you weirdest metaphor I have used yet. I don't know, maybe I... You were actually able to come up with one, so you're already, you know, doing way better than I am this evening. I guess when it comes to the whole, I don't know, sexual dialectic in this fucking show, I should mention that there's this whole thing going on where his girlfriend is one of the... Not girlfriend, whatever. Mech partner. I mean, they don't say mech, but it's like it's like a nuanced mech thing again. But his part... Which I always enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, and, this, and the way to do it was one and, of more. And I do thing. enjoy yeah. this aspect of the yeah. show. It's very, it's very interesting. I, mean, I just like, should note that his mech partner fucking... has like that Yandere style that they've been throwing around since Mirai Nikki. Well, maybe not quite not Yandere because she's not murderous except for herself. Like she's suicidal. There's there's well, some terminology between it, but it's like she's like I don't know, romanticized love letter to fucking pop culture version of BPD. Uh, the character's name is Claire Aoki, and I'm kind of predicting that uh, the anime community is going to end up really liking her a whole lot, more so than I believe she deserves, because uh, I would say that there are a couple different flavors of Yandere, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in all of my time watching anime. <laughs> uh, and, As an expert uh, in the science. Is, uh, and um, the first flavor is the, um, is the kind who is just really really wants to fuck the protagonist like maybe a little bit too much and they're kind of violent right and i don't find that too particularly interesting that is the flavor that claire aoki is right yeah um 
Then there's the interesting flavor, the one that actually has like some fucking menace to it, right? Like kind of has an ass on it. Uh, <laughs> this is the kind. This is the, this is the kind that you know like wants to slice off your gonads so that she could have them. Uh, that's that's the far more interesting kind. Salient points them. It, uh... it feels way the fuck less like a fetish than it does at, like an actual sort of menacing character archetype. Salient points them though. If I could um, make a small correction, the way that they normally execute these, I believe that both usually have an ass on them. But um, Tish. But I didn't. Yeah, if I could just get a whole drum roll on that fucker. And yeah, she does not have that um, little venomy twist that would ma- that would endear me more to the use of it. I guess. No, I don't feel like she's actually that dangerous. Like, there's never any sort of sense that, you know, um, protagonist kid, I don't care what his name is, he sort of has one. I, I don't ever get the sense that he's in any danger from her. Like, yeah, she puts him in danger, but that's not really what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, that's uh, fucking fair. I, I don't know. In the same way that I think you get a sort of visceral irritation with things that look like they're just drawn off one hand all the time. Sometimes uh, there's some... I mean, it's more the archetype than the specific execution, like, exclusively, but, like, character archetypes that are written with one hand, my eyes just sort of roll back to the, to the back of my skull, and I think, when will the next yeah, thing happen? Think, yeah, she, she, she definitely seems a little bit like that. Like, people were studying, you know, the best girl charts, right? The best girl polls, like figuring out trends that have been working, trends that are on the, uh, yeah. that are on the outs. And they're trying and to find like which like sequence of CGs, A's and come C's back builds this new model of waifu. If I was going, if I felt like being completely cynical right now, I'd say that, uh, they were fucking looking at, uh, uh, Toga's, position on the popularity charts right and thinking like oh man we could get in on this action uh and thus this uh this season's yandere waifu was thus born and two production executives just tilt wine glasses at each other in the air we've done it again my man we've done it again What's weird is that i i thought i was going to be this annoyed by himiko toga um from Huraka or my hero academia if anyone hasn't watched um or read whatever uh but weirdly enough the character worked for me there like way the fuck more than and, and it's uh, honestly she she seems to actually be kind of of the same kind of groove as Claire Aoki and that like I do not ever buy for a goddamn second that um Deku isn't any mortal danger um from Himiko Toga, sort of the way that I do not buy the protagonist kid um, isn't any mortal danger from Clarioki here, um, right? But um, I don't know, and I and I thought I was gonna be really fucking annoyed um, by Himiko Toga, but I wasn't. I and I'm like I'm still trying to put my finger on why. Does Toga even have the screen time to get really get annoying? Like one thing is that I think as the dual protagonist of this show, Yandere Girl here is really exposed in terms of fucking character death. yeah they're conservative with how they use toga in that shows uh for certain and i think like when when she first shows up right impersonating you know like another character uh in uh Hiraka, like that was an interesting enough way to introduce her character um wait hold on was that when she first shows up did she first show up in the story or did she first show up 
impersonating um cammy because i cannot remember which arc came first oh man i would have to do a whole google retread to answer that one by the way i think i since i've mostly been negative here i really do want to mention that there are some wackadoo fucking ideas here that i appreciate like i like how oh yeah i mean like say what you will about this show the elevator pitch fucking yeah, it has the it's elevator great. pitch. Like, yeah, a girl rides inside a guy, and it's like penetration. It's weird, and also he's a me- he's her mech now. And you pause twice and say, "What? <laughs> Could you say that again without the mescaline?" I, yeah, I am. Um, I am wondering why these ideas just always only show up in anime. Like, maybe it's just because they've been so market tested that execs are far more um they're far more down to play ball with them it's almost like a creative version of the fucking overton window like maybe just a willingness to try wackadoo shit begets more wackadoo shit in the long term could be i think also the fact that um you've got the uh you've got the manga industry sort of um working in tandem with the anime industry right popularity pulls sort of um are how they determine, you know, what stays and what goes, right? Yeah. And so uh, the uh, the manga magazines will sign, you know, whatever fucking weird-ass series with the knowledge that they can cancel it three issues uh, later, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so they have the freedom and the flexibility to sign wackadoo shit. And when wackadoo shit plays with the, uh, with the audiences, right, with the readers, um, the anime industry notices, and they're like, okay, if people are reading it, fuck it. Um, and I think the fact that the, um, that the animation industry in, uh, the U S just absolutely does not work like that, um, might be why anime gets as weird as it does. That's an interesting theory. Like there's already a proving ground for the wildest concepts out there since so much of this stuff is direct adaptations or theft of ideas often, lots of theft. <laughs> like, I don't want to make that easy and kind of racist. It was the bomb joke. Um, yeah, how do people I, I keep do... getting away with that one like, in a era where it's theoretically like for all the complaining about everyone's getting canceled these days, you can just drop a nuke joke and walk away like nothing happened, and you will still be employed by a Fortune 500 company tomorrow. We are we are on our like fucking fiftieth victory lap for uh, for for World War Two, I guess, or like specifically the Pacific War because we didn't actually win the. Uh, the uh, the European War the uh, the Red Army did, uh, but uh, I, I me I wants think, participation yeah, no. trophy, <laughs> right? Um, so I think I don't know maybe it is just still acceptable because of that or something. I don't know. I I, I don't understand. In, in all people. fairness, not a whole lot of people in my circle have had, have made like a whole have made the whole oh man that bomb termed them weird uh, joke. Um, recently, at the very least, so I don't know. Um, but um, dude, I heard no, it I think- at fucking work, and like, not like you know, in one of those isolated lunches, like ah, bro time. Hey, so who in the office do you want to sexually assault? No, it was like a uh, at the desk, just a group of people. <laughs> to to bring it back just a little bit, um, I think yeah, it does have a lot to do with the um with this sort of uh sort of farm team format of the manga industry uh and you know how it sort of works as such to the uh to the anime industry 
Um, hmm. So there's something to be said for that. Um, it could also be, I don't know. I don't know enough about the Japanese literary tradition. Like I've read, you know, enough Haruki Murakami. Who whoa, whoa, whoa! You completely um, misrepresented yourself when when I agreed to start this podcast. You fuck. I mean, my my familiarity with the Japanese literary tradition starts with uh, starts with the Samu Tezuka. That's uh, <laughs> I I go I go back to like 1953 here. Uh, before that, like I. I guess I could I could get around to reading the wait, tale wait, of Genji wait, or something like that. When you say 1953, like you mean like BC, right? Because then you didn't fucking lie to me. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry that you had to find out this way. Um, but uh, I know what is interesting is that Haruki Murakami's shit is just as fucking weird as a whole bunch of anime too. So I don't know. Maybe there is something to the idea that it has to do with the literary tradition. Or maybe Haruki Murakami is just real goddamn weird. I think that I think the guy might just be a genuine fucking original. He is something else. It's like having a dream about watching hentai. I think that that is what Haruki Murakami is like. Would a Haruki Murakami episode break the cons of the show? Whatever. Maybe, maybe next April Fool's Day. Ooh, I would love to fucking do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. I would love to do a Haruki Murakami episode. He's not a, a oddly enough, like as very Japanese as his stuff is. Um, it's oddly not very weeby. If that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't think, don't think like he's ever crossed over to that side or they've ever crossed over to his side. Um, that's interesting. It's interesting. The little walls that form up. Anyway, another problem with this show is that sometimes that's trouble holding your attention. <laughs> like whenever, yeah, it, uh, whenever it sort of drifts into, some stock things like I remember they did the fucking etchy slap gag with a character that I think she becomes important later, but hither hitherto four has done nothing of note. I don't know that. the the kids the kids that the main protagonist hangs out with in his high school you know homebrew whatever the fuck for the first you know fifteen minutes of the show. Statistically speaking, never that important. Um, Christ. especially in shows such as these that are not about, that are not just slice of life shows about, you know, like, I don't know, a bunch of fucking assholes in school. <laughs> um, they are about, you know, some other weird shit is going on beyond, you know, your mundane high school or whatever. Right. So, uh, I in doubt a world core. To, yeah, that sort of thing. I, I doubt we are going to, um, we are going to be hearing much, if anything from those characters ever again. So really, yes, this, this girl. The uh, way now, there's the one girl who has sort of just been following him around, kind of piningly, and she might be important. Everyone else, like, I don't even remember their names. I don't know if they have names. I they don't really need to. Um, seem to be there just, you know, to be the homeroom kids, and then one of them showed us her panties. Oh, um, something I've been trying to. I've, I've been trying to to be better about giving things credit in the parts I like when I don't when I don't dig the average but something I love yeah Jesus I'm actually kind of ripping into this one tonight it <laughs> yeah. was not so, my intention to I kind of liked it the, the one thing I want I really want to point out the fact that he specifically turns into a fucking mascot fucking hilarious intentionally hilarious oh it's great <laughs> and that's kind of great intentionally hilarious and really good uh, and like kind of creepy and sort of like like stands out in the has- crowd it gives it gives the whole show a uh, very kind of specific kind of weird aesthetic to it. Um, that I don't know. Maybe you could compare it to one or two other things, but um, I I do like the sort of 
it's cool and it's kind of creepy sort of uh sort of look that it's got um i'm trying also there's plenty of edge uh, yeah, I, 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 edge edge abounds Oh yeah, there's a there's a decent amount of it. They uh, shoot um, an evil teenage girl point blank in the chest at the end of was it episode one or two? Two. At the end of episode two. two. The the one thing uh, I gotta fucking mention it. Like y- y- y'all are probably getting sick of me doing this at this point, but I have to fucking mention it again. Go uh, is go that, uh, go go go. Is that like? Yeah, I think we were talking about it earlier. Just like whenever the show seems like it might be losing your attention, they have Claire Taker clothes off. And, like, I'm not even, I don't even mean, like, in a sense that, like, oh, we get, like, an upskirt or something. No, I mean, like, she literally takes her clothes off. Um, basically, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's a real... Twice dia- an episode. I would call it diegetic fan service. <laughs> uh. And it's a transparent, and we've covered this before, literally on this episode, so I'm not going to go over it too much again. But I Oh, just yeah, wanted... back in the heady days of Weeaboo Hell, episode 19. Was this 19? Whatever, fuck it. Doing something, I don't know. I just, I just wanted it on the record that I was kind of pissed off. Sam doesn't like to be insulted. He doesn't like it that we're always at it again. Perhaps that we are always at it. <laughs> right, and like, are you never not? Uh, the, um, I'm pretty consistent. The one thing, though... The one thing, um, though, is that I did feel as though instead of um, instead of being actively insulted, I did feel like, hey, what's the big idea? I was enjoying this. Yeah, and that does um, and that does speak to its credit. So it does it does speak to the show's credit that like that I uh, can be sort of like rudely interrupted by fan service rather than is this the best you fucking got? You do feel like there's something here and. I think this show, I think it could pull up. I just, um, it does not have really full marks or momentum for me as it is right now. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm expecting this one to sort of, uh, clock in at probably like a six or a seven for its final score by the time it's over. I mean, like, I could be wrong. This could, you know, get fucking nuts. Um, it could just get real fucking we, good the way the Demon Slayer Yeah, we did. could just say like, uh, wow, remember when Glapnir got us through the darkness? Right? Um, it, it could happen. Uh, it's, like, with the 12 episodes that this is probably going to have, I, uh, I doubt it's going to. Um, just do the math. That's, like, it's not long enough. Um, but, uh, I've been wrong before. Like, here's the thing. Demon Slayer humbled me. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels... So I'm, so I'm willing to... It feels good to know that things can really surprise you in a positive way. And not just the darling mm-hmm. in the Franex kind of way. Anyway, hmm. these have been two very uh, spunky shows, and uh, this has been Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. Thank you for your time, and good night. Quick addendum, re the title. At one point, a really brash character says, Shit, I kicked too much loser ass. And that is the best quote I have heard in years.